Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are covering the case of Joe Aridy. Okay, well, when you first said that, I thought you said Jody Arias, and I was like, why are we covering that woman? <laughs> she was definitely guilty. Yeah, we are not covering that woman this season. Yeah, I don't think we will ever cover her, because, <laughs> well, she's a monster, and there's, what, 500 documentaries about her? Maybe like 493. Okay, well, I don't want to add into any more of her <laughs> fame. However, before we get into that, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Got some kind of cool news. Do you want to share that cool news? Yeah. I can't give out like too much information. but No, no, you can't. I am starting to... I got a job. I know. So I'm, so so I'm working again. I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher, y'all. Yeah, you are. So now you get to... Come in and be like, oh, I've got something going on. Even though you can't give names, you can still give stories. Right, I can tell I can tell some stories. Yeah, so instead of every week we hear, oh, I got nothing. Now you got something. Right, you right. Got something. I have another thing, though, and we need, to, we need to have some background music for this. I swear to God, like deep, demonic background music when I get into this one. Oh, boy. I need a rock band behind me of anger. <laughs> okay, so at the top, guys... For all our callers out there, uh, y'all know I work in a customer service setting, and I would like to let all of you know that if I ever catch any of you doing this story, we're going to fight, okay? So, I am at work. A person is angry at me about something that is out of my control, and then they threaten to take my job. Don't ever look at somebody and say, I will have your job. Why? <laughs> because you're going to get a sarcastic-ass response like mine, which was, oh, please, oh, please, 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 don't get all of my happiness and joy up so high just for you to let me down later. <laughs> okay, I and with that said, I love my job. Fucking love my job. People I work with are amazing. I, I couldn't ask for a better type of environment for me to be in. Would, wouldn't you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but some of the shit that people say and do because they feel like they can, you guys are assholes. Stop. Nobody needs to deal. Like, if you're having a bad day, don't come in and take it out on a random ass stranger. We don't know you. Just be nice to each other. That's why we put in at the very end of our episode. Remember to stay strong, do everything with love, and know there's always hope. Why? Because you don't know what the other person is going through. You don't know if I'm having a bad day. What if that's the one day that I'm having such a bad day that I'm going to punch you in the face? <laughs> End of my rant, we can now play the harps. The angelic music can now play. Oh, it's good. I'm calm. Work. I am calm. So it sounds like don't be a fucking Karen. Don't be. Yes. Thank you. Don't be a <laughs> goddamn Karen, especially to me, because I will out Karen a Karen. <laughs> you think I, you're going to call <laughs> the manager? <laughs> See, the person told me. I'm going I'm going to have your job. Who's your manager? And my response to them was, I can call my manager for you. Would you like me to do that? Which they didn't know what to do. And then they walked out and I told them to have a good day. 
He, you you encountered a Karen, and you're like, bitch, I'm Karen with a capital K. Right, right. My name is not Keith for a reason. You just re- capital K me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan, now that we've gotten that all done, and I've done ranted, let's talk about some happy thoughts. Some happy thoughts. Some happy non-Karen thoughts. Right. And you know who they are? Uh, I'd say our callers. Our callers. Because none of you would do what that person did to me today. (laughs) We have Michael W. Mark S. And Rebecca H. Thank you guys so much for being callers. We would not know how to do this without you each and every week. All right, so we're ready to get into the season six, episode five? Yeah, as long as this person is not a Karen. This person is not a Karen. Okay, as long as they're not a Karen, I'm A-OK. Let's go. All right, again... A quick recap of how the episodes are going to go this season on Guilty or Innocent. Keith and I are going to give you some background and the facts of the case, like we usually do. But the actual story of the case will be shorter than normal compared to our trial time portion. Itty bitty bitty. <laughs> During that trial time portion, I will take the role of the quote prosecution and emphasize why Joe is guilty, even if I truly agree or not. And Keith is going to take the role of the quote defense and shed some light on why joe is innocent again even if i believe he is actually innocent or not after all that ryan and myself will then play the role of the quote jury and we'll give our thoughts and opinions on the case after hearing the details whether we believe joe is innocent or guilty then ryan will tell ryan will tell us what actually happened and the outcome of his trial so with all that being said Let's fire up that trusty old time machine and head back to August 14th, 1936. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when you're dead cannot be responsible for any lost limbs. So before we get into this really quick, I also want to give just a shout out to my mom. Thank you so much again for coming up this past weekend to see us. That was a really fun time. Yes, it was. So you can you can put that in wherever you want. But I just need to put that shout out in there. It can stay right there. We just got done traveling. Yeah. We just got off the time machine and I had a thought. <laughs> so here we will meet a 21-year-old Joe Arity. Actually, before we get into the night of the crime, let's cover some background on Joe. He was born in 1915 to immigrant parents. Joe didn't speak a word for his first five years of his life. Oh, that's... Different. You would think that typically children would be speaking, at least by then. Right, right. Then after only one year at elementary school, the principal told his parents to just keep Joe home because he couldn't learn. Oh, you're a bad principal. (laughs) He's not learning because you're not teaching him the right way. (laughs) Right, right. Then, at the age of 10 years old, he was sent to the state home and training school for mental defectives in Grand Junction, Colorado. While at the school, he was beaten and bullied by his classmates. This would go on for years and years. In late August, he hopped on a freight train cart and ended up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. But not before the tragic events unfold on the night in question, August 14th, 1936. So, can we talk about that uh, school name? No, because I feel like that has has problematic wrote all over it. (laughs) Can you imagine that across the top of a building? No, because I had a hard time saying it. <laughs> also, question really quick before we get into this. So he, the events have already happened that we're going to talk about, and then he got on the train? 
the events are gonna happen, and then a few days later, he's hopping on that train. Yeah. Okay. While in Cheyenne, Joe was arrested when he was found wandering in the train yards. When he was asked where he was from, he responded, Pueblo, meaning Pueblo, Colorado. This is where a major news story was breaking. An intruder broke into the house of the Drain family. The Drain family? Did they come up with the Drain? (laughs) While the parents were asleep, the two daughters were viciously attacked. The first victim was 15-year-old Dorothy Drain. She was bludgeoned to death with a hatchet. She died instantly as the hatchet pierced her brain. The second victim was Dorothy's 12-year-old sister, Barbara Drain. She was also bludgeoned with a hatchet. However, she was only knocked unconscious from the hits as she would live through the attack. Dorothy would have the terrible awful done to her as well. Wow. So, whoever did this is a necrophiliac. Right, right. That's fucking horrible. Yes, yes. I just, I want to point that out, that whatever is going on, this was a necrophilia situation at the end, too. Because how do you not know that that person's dead? I mean, you certainly would think, but maybe for some reason, they wouldn't know. And, okay, I also, typically, I don't want to be like, oh, let's hand it to the police, because I'm not, like, in the business of, like, the police are always the best. (laughs) But uh, it's kind of awesome, in a way, that they at least took the time to examine in 1936 for a woman if she had been sexually assaulted. Right. How many stories have we covered where there's been sexual assault, even in today, and they're not examining the women correctly? Oh, absolutely. So hats off to whoever investigated this. You you clearly cared about these victims. Right, right. Now back in Cheyenne, Joe was being questioned by police. The Cheyenne detectives knew the police chief in Pueblo, Colorado, and contacted him saying that he was the man they were looking for relating to the Drain murder. The Pueblo chief was a little shocked by this, as they already had a person on in custody for it, Frank Aguilar. Then the officer said that Joe must have committed the crimes with Frank. Joe remained in custody and was sent back to Pueblo, Colorado. It feels like we're going to have a lot to unpack in trial time. Uh, Yeah, we are going to have a lot to unpack in trial time. So, with that being said, Ryan, why don't you give me your evidence supporting Joe's guilt? Alrighty. Alright, so let's take a look at the evidence supporting Joe's guilt. Again, even though the Pueblo police say that they have someone in custody, Joe had confessed. So, they believe it was a teamwork thing, because how do you... Confess to something that if you weren't there. Well, and maybe um, why would kill one person without another person waking up and being like, ah, right, you know, right. so two of you go at the same time. Boom. Right. So according to the police reports, there is Joe's own confession. He confessed to the crime multiple times. Okay. What is your next point? It looks awfully suspicious that a sus person leaving town a couple days after the murder and attempted murder of two young girls. Yeah, that is kind of suspicious that he jumped on a train. I mean, I... But people have lives. People do come and go constantly, and there are murders happening every day. That's true, but but they shouldn't be running. 
suspicious because they left town on the day that somebody was murdered. (laughs) And then finally, according to the Cheyenne detective reports, he committed the crime with a man named Frank. Frank Aguilar was the other man arrested for the crimes. So he identified his teammate, his partner in, partner in crime, the other culprit. Okay, so I have a lot of, you're not going to be happy with me. You're not getting a lot of points this week. Okay. I'm so sorry. I know you have three bullet points, but I'm about ready to shred these to pieces. Just because somebody has confessed doesn't mean that they actually committed a crime. So you get nothing there. I feel like a confession is worth a point. No. He confessed multiple times. Okay, do you know how many people we have seen confess because they felt under duress and they felt like they had to? I would still give the benefit of the doubt to the confessee. Nothing. Nothing. You get nothing for that. Zero zilch. Okay. I am going to give you one point, and that is for him leaving town so quick after the murders and getting on a train. I understand that murder happens every day. I made that comment earlier. It is very weird that you would get on a train and a cargo train at that. Like you're not being tracked by somebody because he just jumped onto a train as it was moving by. Correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Because I'm thinking like the big cargo trains that you used to see, like, what is, I know that people used to call them hobos, but I know that's not the right term anymore. Mm, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, drifter type. Drifters, yes. That drifters would get, transients, that's the word I'm looking for. Transients would get on to them because they didn't want to get known about for something or, you know, they had caused trouble somewhere. So it is really suspicious in 1939 that you're just getting on a train, you, you know, in a cargo train. That is very weird. It will give you a half a point for number three. Why does he know the name Frank? I'm only giving a half a point because did the detectives give him the idea of Frank? That is always a very good possibility of something that had happened. But again, representing the prosecution, I want to assume that the police are doing their job. Well, you would hope, but I am the defense. And and for Joe to know, know Frank, know of Frank, that seems pretty fishy. Well, that will be a thing that will help lead me into my defense. So, let's begin with the obvious one. Joe is not mentally there. He has an IQ of only 46. So, I'm going to put that into perspective a little bit. 130 or above is considered very superior. 120 to 129 is considered superior 110 to 119 is considered high average. 90 to 109 is average. 80 to 89 is low average. 70 to 79 is borderline. And anything below 69 is extremely low. Again, Joe was ranked at a 46. Kind of helps me with my defense against did they know, did he really know Joe? Or not Joe, but Frank. Or was it fed to him who Frank was because the detectives have already talked to the Pueblo police and they said, we have a guy by the name of Frank. And did they say, did you and Frank do this together? And he is not mentally suited enough to then be able to say, no, we didn't. 
because he doesn't know any better. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Here is my second reason. Frank, who was already arrested for the crime and ultimately confessed to the crimes, claims that he did not know Joe Arity, which kind of just brings me back to my other point that I just made. Finally, there was no physical evidence linking Joe to the crime scene. Okay, so you've now officially heard my three points. Where do I stand with you for points to me? Okay, so now taking off my prosecutorial Mm -hmm. pants and just chatting with you about your defense. Right. Joe is mentally slow. Right, he is. So I feel he could easily be one of those people that are a pleaser and a follower and a listener that repeats what he hears. Kind of like the case that we watched on Netflix, the How to Commit Murder, or not How to Commit Murder. Do you know what I'm talking about? The one where the guy was already convicted prior for a murder and then he got off but then they making tried- a murderer? Yes, making a murderer. Yeah, Brandon Avery. Yes, yes. Or something like that. Yes. I think that was the nephew's name, and he had an IQ about the same average as Joe does. Yeah. So definitely got to give you a point for highlighting that. And then Frank I was already uh, arrested and, and eventually confessed. Right. Said he didn't know Joe, but Joe knows Frank. Right. It's, I can easily do like a half a point because it's, you know, who's... Who's lying and who's telling the right. truth. Because the other, Frank's a criminal and Joe is slow. Right. Each one could be a liar easily. Right, right. And then as far as physical evidence, yeah, that's a... That's a big one. That's a that's a pretty big one. And especially all all's we got is really the, the confession and his tie to saying that he knows Frank. Right. So I would say I'd give you two and a half out of three. Yay, I am winning this round. (laughs) All right, now that we just got done going back and forth and giving giving each other our point tally. Right. Where where do you stand? I have to say, if I am on the jury, I am 100% going to vote not guilty. How can I look at somebody and say you're guilty of all of this, especially when I know that they're mentally deficient? I understand that there could have been coercion and uh, causing, like, telling somebody that they committed a crime, especially when I know they're slow and I'm just trying to pin it on somebody. And I would, uh, in the in the lack of physical evidence, I can't sit here and say, "Oh, I'd be a jury member that would say, oh, you are a hundred percent guilty." In my mind, I would have to vote not guilty. There's no, there's too much doubt. That he committed it. Now, yes, there are some very questionable things that he did, like getting onto the train just days after the murder. But he could have very well not even have known about it. We don't know if he had a TV or a radio. I don't even know if TV was a thing in 1939. I I don't think TV was quite a thing yet. Okay, so we don't even know if he had a radio that could have heard about it or if he would have even been around people that would have been talking about a murder. So he, it could be just very much coincidental that he got onto the train because he was being abused at the mental hospital or the the mental school that he was at, and he just wanted a new life where he wasn't being beat, you know. And they just happened to coincide with those dates, and now we got some weird guy coming. In, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, 
by calling him weird, but he's mentally slow, so I'm sure that he did actions that caused people that are not mentally slow to feel like he was being weird, and to him, it's normal, you know, and he could be acting very normal in that sense. For sure. I get what you're saying. Okay. So they were like, well, we need to get rid of him because he's made people uncomfortable instead of them just being accepting in 1939. And I don't think you and I have talked about it, but Joe was also black, correct? Nope. No? I thought, okay, maybe I'm confusing that with a different case we were talking about. We were we were discussing some cases the other day, and I thought this was one of them. Yeah, no. Joe Arity is, is white. Oh, okay. Okay. Typically, we bring that stuff up prior, and I was like, maybe you just didn't bring it up, or maybe we aren't bringing it up for a reason. It was just worth asking again. All right, so we know that I would vote not guilty. Where are you standing on this? So in today's mindset, here in this case, hands down, not guilty. Throw it out. There's no way you have anything. I feel like you as the judge would throw the gavel at the prosecution and be like, fuck out. (laughs) However, a 1936 me, I still think I would say no, not guilty. And then if he, well, I mean, he does get tried. Right. We know he gets tried. We know he gets tried. But I would have a huge issue with the mental competence. I don't feel he would be sane to stand trial. I feel like you would be the one asking the prosecution, even in 1939. Oh, 36. Sorry, I don't know why I keep saying 39. Uh Uh, In 1936, why you would be like, I think you'd be like, can we have a conversation in the back room about why you think he did this? Because I don't think you've put the puzzle pieces together correctly. (laughs) I think we're looking at one jigsaw puzzle, and you are looking at a different one. Trying to hammer the pieces in. Oh my gosh, like that poor kid on Survivor. Oh, that was so funny. That was funny. Now that we know that both of us would have voted not guilty, can you tell me what the actual outcome of this case is? Well, as you can imagine, there were several doctors and psychiatrists going back and forth debating if Joe knew right from wrong. And if he was sane or insane, as as they should. Right. That's the correct thing to do. And as we covered this case and did it, I feel like it's a no-brainer. Right. Okay, let me ask you this before we get into the actual verdict. Do you think Joe knew right from wrong? To an extent. Okay. That's that's kind of how I feel. I feel like they that he knows it, but doesn't really understand what is even now, like, as he's setting on trial, understands what's fully happening. Correct. the extremity that it is. Well, in the end, the jury actually determined that Joe was sane, and that he was guilty of rape and murder. I just want to know, I wish that jury was around so I could ask them the question of how did you <laughs> get there? How did you even get to the point of, oh yeah, he did this because... You did not have a good... The defense just wasn't a good defense. Prosecution? Or, yeah, I'm sorry. The prosecution just was not a good prosecution. Clearly, the prosecution sold it hard. They must have had a lot of theatrics compared to what I had. Right. They had to have, because there's no way that you're doing that without something big. But at the same time, I guess something going in prosecution's favor is the the murder of these two little girls was huge news at the time. Right. 
and they were getting pressure from all angles to solve it and get all involved. Okay, so I have to ask, do you think the jury found him guilty for those things because they just wanted somebody to be held guilty for it, and he was the easiest target to find guilty? He was the easiest target with some aspect of him actually being being the guilty person. Because as far as his multiple confessions, right, him knowing Frank, him being able to recognize Frank. Oh, he recognized Frank? I didn't know he recognized him. He, he was able to recognize him. But in terms of when Frank was brought into the police station, mm-hmm. Joe was able to say, hey, there's Frank. Oh. Meaning a police officer could have been like, okay, Frank's coming in. He's not the one in the okay. uniform. Yeah, yeah. And he would have known. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because Joe, Joe clearly left his family and didn't really have a family. So in my mind, I think they thought, well, he's mentally incapacitated. He's different. He doesn't really have a family. Let's just kind of, I hate using this word, they scapegoated him. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that's the only words that I can use for it is he was the easiest scapegoat instead of trying to prove that Frank did the murder. What I find fairly interesting is that they continued trying and uh, investigating and prosecuting Joe, even though Frank had already confessed. Confessed. Okay, my qu- Okay, I have another question before you get to the end. Did Frank ever go on trial for this? Frank did go on trial, and he was executed. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, let me know the rest of this. All right. So, as I just mentioned, Frank was tried and executed after being found guilty. Right. Joe was just tried and found guilty. He was sentenced to death via gas chamber. That's just sad. It is. I think that's probably one of the worst ways that we could have ever executed somebody. Yeah, I I completely agree there. I I don't... Like, I'm not anti-death penalty, and I am at the same time, to a certain extent. I feel very weird about it. (laughs) Uh, But I do know for a fucking fact... That I don't think the gas chamber is ever a good way to ever kill somebody. I I completely agree. While on death row, the warden of the prison, Warden Best, called Joe, quote, The happiest prisoner on death row. On the day of his execution, January 6, 1939, he asked for ice cream for his final meal. When it was time to go to the gas chamber, Joe hadn't finished it all and asked the warden to put the rest in the fridge so he could finish it when he got back. That's just... Poor Joe. I just feel bad for him. Right, right. Makes my heart break. But again, you know, it further demonstrates that Joe wasn't mentally there enough to understand what was actually happening. Right. And he was thinking, oh, okay, we're going somewhere, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back, and I can finish my ice cream. And that just shows even more. He didn't know. He didn't know anything. No. And he he very much was just the scapegoat. We sometimes have updates, so I see that we have an update on this. Ryan, will you please let us know what this update is? Yeah. Uh, update in, in 2011. So what? 12 years ago? 12 years ago, yeah. Governor Bill Ritter issued a full and unconditional pardon. The governor would go on to say, quote, Pardoning Joe Arity cannot undo this tragic event in Colorado history. 
It is in the interest of justice and simple decency, however, to restore his good name. End quote. That can make me cry. For him to come out and say, we just want justice. And justice is that he should have never had this happen to him. And it was wrong of us. And we're taking, like, I love that he had that ownership. If that guy was my governor, I don't know what else he did. <laughs> like, he could have been a piece of shit. But, dude, you kind of just made me tear up a little bit. Thank you, at least, for not being a complete garbage person. Um, right. Especially when it comes to something that, I mean, this it is gonna, it wasn't in his lifetime. Right. Essentially, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick, but it was unnecessary and he didn't need to do. Right. You know, it well, was, he didn't need to, but he, or he didn't have to. Right. It was 70 years ago. No right. one is still alive. Right, that was involved in it. But the fact that he looked at this and went, no, we need to have justice and there needs to be decency. Like, and we need to restore somebody's name because they didn't ever do anything wrong. That is amazing. Right. It doesn't, you know, and it won't ever change the fact that Joe was killed, but it does change history. Right, right. You know. Yeah. So there you guys have it. This is the case of Joe Arity. Right. Was it a good fit for guilty or innocent? Oh, I think this was a wonderful fit. I feel like there was a there were certain things that could lead it to, hey, he could have maybe have done it. But I think this time around, I actually had enough defense in my side where it could be, no, he definitely didn't do it, which was nice for me for a change. <laughs> I agree. Well, you did chew me out what last week or the week before. Yeah, over I was that? like oh for four at that point. So yeah, you were you were defending tooth and nail to a truly guilty individual. No, and then you fucked me in the end. <laughs> so I know that we didn't really talk much about like mental health. I understand that Joe was not mentally inept, but that doesn't mean that he had a mental health issue. It was just. He wasn't as smart as everybody else. Right. However, if you or anybody that you know is going through a mental health crisis or suicidal thoughts, please call 988. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusonedead.com where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, the fat cat Dracarys, Emma and Regina, the itty-bitty sugar gliders, or of course, those perfect pooches, Lola and Bailey. Or email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case, ask some questions, suggest some cases, or just to say hi. Also, if any of you callers would like us to give a shout-out or message to someone you know, let us know. But until then, remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. No, there is always hope. And in case you forget, you can always call call us when when you're dead. dead.